Nick Carboni joins us to recap the Miles Bridges press conference. Then we'll talk about some two-way contracts all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. As always, we're free and available anywhere you get your pods. That does include YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. That's Nick Carboni of WCNC. If you're watching us on YouTube, follow him on Twitter at Nick Carboni WCNC. Doug Branson, everyhornetsboxscore.com. I'm on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. Nick, appreciate the time. Not really talking about any fun topic today. We're bringing you back for the tough topics. We did this with David yesterday. Now we're bringing it, or this week, now we're bringing you on for the tough topics. But you were there at the Spectrum Center for Miles Bridges press conference where he at was answering questions about his felony domestic violence charge that he pleaded no contest to that he turned himself in for over a year ago before this offseason started, before last offseason started. This has been a really long process. The trial process ended, and now we'll have to even wait 10 games into this upcoming season before we see Miles on the floor. But we didn't have to wait that long to see Miles Bridges finally answer questions on a public forum what did you make of the press conference yesterday, Nick? I know it's a big question, but what was your overall takeaway from the way Miles Bridges answered all of the questions towards him? Yeah, I think there's two ways to look at it. I'll start from you know a public relations standpoint. And like you said, the Hornets and Miles' uh, approach to this this entire time has been silence or very minimal conversation. Um, so I thought that I don't think Miles – hurt himself from a PR standpoint uh, by doing the press conference yesterday. I, I think he probably helped himself a little bit as, as much as he probably could, given the situation, uh, you know, to be up there, you know, to have the, the news conference be specifically, you know, not that it says it in the subject headline of the email, but this is what this is going to be about. Everybody knows that this is what we're doing here. They didn't wait until some training camp, media availability and say, Hey guys, try to focus on basketball. Like everybody understood the assignment, so to speak in the room yesterday. And, you know, you know, he didn't get defensive about anything for the most part. He didn't, you know, balk at any reporters questions. I think, you know, miles bridges was prepared enough in the fact that there are going to be questions. You're not going to like this. This is not going to be, uh, the most uh, fun 25 to 30 minutes that you've had. You've got to answer these questions sincerely, honestly, um, and, you, you know, not have any, you know, sort of outbursts or, or walk off the, the podium or do anything uh, kind of out of your head. And and he didn't do that. Um, so from that standpoint, I think he, he probably helped himself a little bit and talking about getting more involved in the community and, you know, having some level of contrition, but that kind of leads me to my next point. I didn't, at the same time, I didn't walk away from it um, thinking Miles Bridges is just completely sorry for what happened. Uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, to to the alleged victim, I think he's certainly embarrassed about, you know, what's happened to his name, uh, what's happened to his family. 
Um, but, you know, in, in none of this have Miles Bridges or the Hornets condemned what we are very sure happened, uh, condemned domestic violence in a real meaningful way. Um, so it's still a little uncomfortable, uh, to be honest, to, you know, have the Hornets bring this player back uh, and to have them be the ones to give him this second chance. And I think a lot of it <laughs> did have to do with basketball, to be quite honest. I mean, a 20 point per game score clearly missed on the floor last year. Um, nothing else has, has happened in free agency. Uh, and, and I think from a basketball standpoint, that's when we really kind of read the tea leaves at the end of the year saying this is going to happen. Um, so those, those are my two takeaways. I think yeah. he, you know, probably helped himself as much as he could, didn't hurt himself and, um, you know, not still totally sure how, you know, sorry for this he is, but we've got, you know, Miles Bridges, the Hornet for at least this next year to, to maybe see that in, in his actions and, and what he says and does going forward. So, Nick, a lot was said at the press conference, but uh, there wasn't a ton of detail given. In fact, Mitch Kupchak explicitly avoided detail on the investigation uh, that the Hornets did and didn't give any details about the investigation that the NBA did either. Miles was very reticent to go into any territory outside of sort of his personal journey and therapy. There were some vague notions of community involvement, but no detail. And so my question is, are you surprised that the team didn't come out with more detail in terms of, not in the investigation, because I'm not surprised about that, but detail in terms of how Miles Bridges would be involved in the community, would work uh, to restore the trust between himself and uh, the team and uh, the city itself? Yeah, I was. Um, and I asked Mitch Kupchak about the investigation, if they had spoken to uh, the alleged victim, if they had spoken to any advoca advocacy groups, you know, locally, nationally, whatever, uh, in the decision to bring Miles Bridges back. Uh, it was that same kind of non-answer, declined to go into any detail uh, to say whether or not they'd even done that. Um, and yes, when Miles Bridges was kind of, as you said, vague about what that community you know, outreach and service would look like. Uh, it, it was kind of jarring, like, okay, they could have come out here and said, he's going to be involved with this group, or we are going to be involved with this group, and we are going to do X, Y, and Z moving forward to support victims of domestic violence. Um, you know, and, and Miles Bridges, he himself even said, I'm not going to do it because, you know, I'm supposed to, I'm going to do it because I want to. Does he want to work with these groups? Do these groups want to work with him? Um, we don't know the answers to that yet, but, you know, I, I was surprised that there wasn't any clear cut, like, okay, now that we're back, here's what we're doing. Yeah, I, I was surprised at that as well, because we had had some reporting uh, come out during this process uh, months ago uh, that the Hornets were preparing, uh, you know, to make some sort of solid steps in that direction, and and it didn't happen. I mean, I don't know how many controversies, like certainly not like this, but maybe just PR controversies that you've covered in the past, and like how, you know, how did this compare in terms of damage control? I mean, it seemed like they were playing protect defense, like don't say anything, don't say anything weird, don't say anything, don't get angry, uh, but also don't give any detail. I mean, how did this compare to anything you've covered in the past? Yeah. And like I I think you're exactly right. I mean, it was like prevent. Right. And and I've covered 
press conferences where teams and organizations and entities have completely, um, you know, blown themselves up. <laughs> and the one that comes to mind is when I covered Tennessee athletics in Knoxville and they had a title nine lawsuit brought against the athletics department um, because of allegations against members of the football team. And the athletics department decided because the heat was so much on the football team, they decided to hold a press conference where every single coach of every single team, like the tennis team had to speak for the athletics department and basically almost shield the football team. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of preparedness there. Uh, there were coaches that said, well, you know, I try to, you know, make sure the girls on my team don't dress like a certain way at night. When, you know, it was just, it was ugly. It was right. gross. Uh, and Tennessee got killed for that as they should have. Yeah. I think when you're a younger reporter, you're in that moment thinking, is this normal? And uh, now I know it's not. And so now right. I kind of know what to look for in these things. Uh, how much How much does market size play a factor in the Hornets' response, how they approach this? Because this is getting zero national attention. It's not on Sirius XM NBA radio. It's not on, you know, NBA TV. I mean, this is not being covered outside of what we are doing right now. Uh, you know, so so what does that what does that do to a response? I mean, does it allow them essentially uh, to have this kind of response that offers zero detail? Yeah, it's interesting. And I'm not sure it's so much market size as it is just, you know, who the player is, who the team is. You know, the Hornets obviously aren't NBA title contenders at the moment. Uh, Miles Bridges is a good player, but not even an all-star at the moment. Um, so yeah, you so my, maybe size, size yeah. was a good word. Market relevancy. Yeah. It, well, I mean, going back to the, the Knoxville question, I mean, Knoxville is just a little old mountain town in East Tennessee, but, <laughs> but that was relevant. concerning a college football, an SEC college football program. Yeah. You're already kind of elevated in your sport. So there were a lot of eyes on it. I'm not sure how many eyes were on, you know, this Miles Bridges uh, press conference yesterday nationally. It didn't mm -hmm. feel like there was a whole lot of heat. So I think it is, you know, relevancy of the team, of the player uh, on a national scale. Um, whereas, you know, in, in other markets or involving other teams or players, you could certainly see the same exact scenario leading, you know, all those big talk shows, national radio and everything else. Yeah, I was watching SportsCenter yesterday, and then the mm -hmm. three hits that they talk about for 30 seconds to let you know what happened, Miles Bridges was sandwiched right there in between three topics before they moved on and then talked about something else. It's just how it's been going on in national media. I did have one final question for you. Um, so do you feel, Nick, that the Charlotte Hornets view this as going away now? Like, hey, we did the press conference. Move We're on. Good. Let's play some basketball. <laughs> Let's play some basketball. And I know this kind of puts you in a tough spot. I apologize. But as a journalist of the utmost integrity that you have been so many times with us here on Lockdown Hornets, like, how do you approach this? And, and I understand it's a hard question to answer, but how do you approach this going forward where you try to balance the basketball with, I mean, dude, we don't need to bring it up every single time. But this, this is the tough part about all of this, right? When we talk about the debate shows and, you know, for instance, Tyreek Hill, anytime that he has a 150-yard receiving game, we're not bringing up the fact that he was alleged of some pretty heinous stuff as well. So how do we, how do we balance all of this stuff now with Miles Bridges? Yeah, I, I certainly think that part of the Hornets' approach 
in having this here on July 18th, three months before any, you know, set availabilities for training camp and preseason uh, is a clear signal to them that like, okay, this is where all your questions are coming out. This is where we're going to sit down and answer everything. Um, because, you know, when we get to that point, you know, those questions are going to be asked, but, you know, I don't think they're going to be too, too pleased that they're being asked. Right. Um, I certainly think there's going to be, you know, reporting and, you know, should be talking to, to local domestic violence awareness groups uh, and even victims, you know, when Miles Bridges is about to hit the floor again for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, but then, yeah, it's it's most likely going to go away unless something else, you know, pops up, unless something else happens, uh, unless somebody else brings an allegation or says right. something something about it. I think it's most likely going to happen the way you said it happened, and that's why I think, you know, like it or, or not, the Hornets, from their perspective, were probably pretty smart to do what they did yesterday and sit everybody down in the room and and say, okay, this is this is a 30-minute session where, where we can talk about this. Um, certainly, it should be brought up again. Um, yeah, the balance of how much. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where to strike that. Um, but you know, I think it'll come up right before the, the season starts for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We got one more with these, uh, team media day interviews. All right, Nick, we appreciate it. That's Nick Carboni WCNC. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick Carboni WCNC. We'll uh, have him try to get him weekly as the season approaches and talk about more basketball related stuff, but we appreciate your time talking about miles bridges presser, Nick. Thanks again. Yeah, you got it guys. Thank you. All right, that's Nick Carboni once again, uh, a featured member here of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Yeah, coming up next, we're going to talk, I guess, a little bit about our thoughts on the Miles Bridges press conference, and then we'll get to some summer league conversation, the two-way contracts handed out. Get to all of that a little bit later on. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The uh, FanDuel website is one that has been sponsoring us for quite some time. We very much appreciate them. You can take your first swing at betting on MLB on FanDuel, and you can get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to 2,000, uh, excuse me, not 2,000, FanDuel. FanDuel's great. 2,000 is a little much, up to $200, but that's still a lot of money. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks, and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. More Locked On Hornets coming up next. Is Locked On Hornets. Are we sure that like everyone interprets a handful as five? I, don't I think, think so. so. Honestly, I would I'm, say a handful is normally five, but I would agree. four is acceptable. What's my whole five <laughs> things in my hand? Look, one, this is a pen, a book, I got okay. a phone. Yeah, you're, you guys are actually right. It's getting pretty full. Yeah, I know. Here's a cable. Five. Okay, that's five. That's five. And here's right, a coffee cup. What else? It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, so we uh, can share our thoughts after talking with Nick Carboni about what Miles Bridges had to say yesterday in his first public media availability 
since he turned himself in to be arrested for felony domestic violence charge that he eventually pled no contest to a couple of months ago, then signed the qualifying offer after reportedly wanting and seeking $25 million annually. The Hornets said no, and so they agreed to the qualifying offer. He's now on the team. It's the first time that he's been an official member of the Charlotte Hornets in over a year, which is something interesting. We've always viewed him as just being a Hornet, but he technically was not. Now he is after putting after putting ink to the paper, signing that $8 million qualifying offer. What was your main takeaway? I know you wrote about this. People should go check it out. You can read it right there if you're watching YouTube, everyhornetsboxscore.com. But Doug, why don't you tell the podcast listeners what some of your main takeaways were watching the presser? Well, I agree with Nick Carboni that what they did was the smart thing to do. Playing the, I said protect defense, prevent defense, but they were protecting, I think, the franchise from further questions. They were protecting Miles Bridges, in a sense, from any deeper questions, any uncomfortable conversations. They avoided those at all costs, and it was the smart thing to do because no one's paying attention. Why They would start to pay attention if you did something silly at the press conference, uh, but the smart thing to do and the right thing to do are, uh, you know, not necessarily the same thing. And PR is a messy business. PR is a contact sport. Um, it's not always about doing the right thing. It's about doing the right thing for your organization. And, and unfortunately, I don't think that really came together with the right thing to do uh, for society at large. But the NBA, I think, has been very clear through their inactions and the things that they don't say. The teams have been very clear in their inactions and the things that they don't say that they don't want to talk about domestic violence. Those words were not uttered in that press conference. No one wanted to say what anyone was apologizing for. And in my opinion, that wasn't an apology. It wasn't honest. It wasn't an honest discussion. And it wasn't an apology because an apology comes with admitting what happened. And it also admits that you did something wrong. And I think the only thing that was admitted that was done wrong was just becoming an embarrassment. So, so that falls in line with a lot of non-apologies that we've seen in the past. They were asking us to forget about it. You know, everybody's going to start dunking here in a few months and, and just shut up about it. We've, we've, we've said something happened. We're not going to tell you what happened, but we said something happened and we're sorry about that and everyone move on. And, and I think uh, that pretty much met my expectations. You know, I'm not coming on here being shocked that that's what we got. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been I've been telegraphing this the entire time. I expected exactly what we got yesterday. Yeah, I was hoping for more detail, and I knew I was doing that with a little bit of naivete, sure. and we didn't get it. Um, this is the leading. This is a lot of what he said in his statement. By the way, what I'm going to read in Miles Bridges' opening statement during the presser, it was a lot, almost verbatim, what he said in his written statement that he released on July 7th. Miles said, I sincerely apologize for the pain, embarrassment, and disappointment that last year's incident caused so many people, uh, Bridges said in a statement issued by the Hornets. I guess this is the same one, but then just to kind of go over it, what you were talking about. Time away from the game allowed me to reflect, immerse myself in therapy, and prioritize becoming a better person, someone my family and peers can be proud of. So that was the written statement, and that's really what he said right out of the gate in this opening press conference. Go ahead, Doug. Well, this will all, none of this will matter unless it happens again. And I don't just mean Miles Bridges, although, you know, therapy, becoming a better person, all admirable things, by the way. I mean, I, I if he's sincerely looking for help and, and it's not sort of a John Morant situation where it's where therapy is being used essentially as a, and Jalen Rose are being used as a, a cover 
uh, for wanting to get back on the floor as quickly as possible. If he's sincerely doing that, then I commend him. I would commend anyone doing that. Um, but it's a funny thing. You know, self-improvement is not linear. And particularly um, domestic violence has a repeat offender problem. Um, you know, th these these things over the course of months and years, uh, statistically, um, it, it, there is an issue. And, and so, but I'm not just talking about Miles Bridges. If it happens again in the NBA, and if it happens in a way that is more public, is in a market that is more relevant, does happen to a player that is higher profile, or, God forbid, it happens in a case where the results of the domestic violence are so vile, or there's video, as we saw in the Ray Rice incident, the video moves leagues to action in, in, in a weird, you know, silly way. Uh, that that it wouldn't you know I think all of this should move leagues to action, but video has a special place in moving yeah. leagues to action. But if any of those things were to occur, then I think media would not only pay attention to that incident, leagues would act, but I think then the media would turn to previous incidents and how they were handled, and and I think this will be a stain on the league the way this has been handled, and uh, the organization uh, that that may remain irrelevant. Uh, you know, for, for eternity or, you know, may not, we'll see. Yeah. And as far as the stain on the league's reputation, it's all about if somebody notices the stain on your shirt or not, or if nobody cares. Right. And that's what's right. happening is nobody cares about the stain on your shirt. So go, go ahead. Well, so that, that brings up something for me and, and I've seen a lot of this response and I'm sure we'll get this in the comments. Like what, you know, Miles Bridges doesn't, this is the, the comment that, that I see a lot. Miles Bridges doesn't owe, um, anyone, any further explanation of what happened. Uh, the team doesn't owe anyone any explanation. Only his and, family, right? That's what people are saying. Only his family, only Michelle Johnson, yeah. only his kids. That's yeah, what they're yeah. saying. Right. So I, I would, I, I want to address that because I, I disagree with that fundamentally, because if you're a public figure, you are, whether you're a politician or you're an entertainer, you're asking something of the public. And the team is certainly asking you, hey, pay money to come see the entertainment that we are providing. Players are a part of that. They're asking the public, um, not maybe not explicitly, but they are asking them by, uh, you know, getting money for being entertainers to come out and support. So whenever you do behavior that the public may or may not find offensive, you should answer for that. But I will kind of agree with that take in that they're only as responsible to the public as the public demands of them. If the public resoundingly says, no, nah, you don't owe us anything. You don't, you, you do whatever you want to do, whatever behavior you feel is right. Go ahead and do it. Yeah. You don't owe us any explanation. Then I agree with you. If the public doesn't demand it, then nobody owes anybody any explanation. And I think the sad part about this is that fanaticism, being a fan of a team, of a player, of a politician, of any kind of personality, it it continues to, always has, probably always will, cover a variety of sins. And, and this is no different. Yeah, fanaticism is a blind ritual and nobody cares, right? You'll just want to pick for your favorite team and you want to go with them in any way, shape or form. I, to touch on what you were saying, I, I got a lot of that on the text line when I was on the radio show yesterday. And look, part of Miles Bridges statement, by the way, was I'm grateful to the Hornets and the NBA community for giving me a second chance. Most people don't ever get one. 
So you could argue what the NBA community means. Maybe he does mean the fan base. Maybe it's not. Maybe he doesn't. That's up for interpretation. But he gets a second chance with the Charlotte Hornets by agreeing to the qualifying offer and only missing 10 games of this upcoming season. But he also said this. He might not owe us any explanation, okay, if you want to say that. But then he comes back in a statement and says, I'll do everything I can to earn back the trust and confidence of my teammates, coaches, the Hornets organization, staff, fans, and the Charlotte community. That's pretty cut and dry. So if you want to earn back the trust of the Charlotte community, those whose trust that you have lost, then I guess you do kind of owe us some detail if that's what you view, if you view that, if you want to try to get the trust back of the Charlotte community. I just wanted to say a couple things real quick. Yeah, I know go. you had a lot of thoughts on no, it. No, go, go, go. One of the things that I, I had a problem with was Mitch Kupchak not giving any details on the investigation whatsoever. Because what happens a lot of times in these investigations is we find that the team did not do their due diligence and truly do the work needed in order to figure out if you can trust the guy coming back to your organization or not. Who did you talk to? How long did you talk to him? What kind of answers did you get? And Mitch Kupchak wasn't going to give us any details. Now, okay, fine. You know, we could question it all you want, but it's it's just not going to earn the trust of anybody that really cares about the question, that really cares about the answer and whether you should trust it. So, okay, fair. You can say that all you want. Now, Mitch, you have to understand when, when you say, I understand people are going to disagree with this decision, you don't do yourself any favors when you just refuse to go into any detail. I'm glad Miles Bridges is in therapy, needs it based off of the pictures and what's alleged that he did. And we all feel fairly certain that he did his part, perhaps 100% of it being involved in a felony domestic violence incident. I'm glad he's going to therapy. Yeah. It felt a little bit like an easy button to say to any question that was asked of him, I'm going to therapy. I'm helping myself become a better human being. And I'm hoping I can gain the trust back from everyone. He didn't want to go into details either. When people would ask, what did you learn in therapy that helps you become a better human that this won't happen again? There's a happy medium to say, well, I learned this about myself, but I also don't want to compromise anything that is just between me and my therapist. And all he did was say, I'm going to therapy quite a bit. I, I He did say, I'm wanting to get involved in the community more. Okay, great. Nick already talked about that. A little surprised at the first answer he gave when Kyle Bailey of WFNZ asked, is that something you're going to be an advocate for? And then he said, first, I'm going to focus on me and my family. And then he seemed to backtrack a little bit later on, said, no, I want to get involved in the community, not because I have to, but because I want to. Mm -hmm. It was very vague to your to your point. I agree that with Nick on my last point here, Nick is probably right. I don't think he hurt himself. I don't think there's going to be any more backlash partly because it's not being covered on a larger scale anyway. So it was going to be harder to hurt yourself, you know, outside of an outright awful press conference. But my number one thing I wanted to see was some kind of contrition stated in detail as to, okay, now I truly get that you are, that you understand what you did was wrong, that your part in what happened is very wrong. And I don't know if I can walk away 100% feeling great about that. Well, the I want to go back to the stuff you were saying on Mitch Kupchak and, and just I'll end my thoughts here that the Hornets are making some some calculated gambles. And that's what they are. They're gambles. They're betting on Miles Bridges. Again, just like when you drafted him, you're betting on Miles Bridges uh, to become a better player. Now they're betting on him to become a better person. And, and that's a, a much more, I would say, riskier gamble for anyone <laughs> to make. 
Um, and I, I think, you know, that's why Mitch Kupchak said, hey, listen, we've known this guy for five years. We're, we're basing part of our decision making process is just knowing him. So so they're making that they're making that gamble. But, you know, again, ask ask Memphis how that gamble has gone for them with John Moran. But they're also making a gamble that the public won't care. And not enough of the public will care. It's that it won't hurt their bottom line yeah. and not enough of the national media will care. And unfortunately, at this juncture in our society and in sports, I think that's a gamble that they're going to win. Oh, it's a good I th- one. I think they'll gamble. win unless it happens again. God forbid. All right, let's move on, shall we? You want to talk two-way contracts, Doug? Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Skipping on into the next segment, coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Unfortunately, we've gotten too good at those transitions because that's just what we've had to talk about this offseason. That has been the task at hand. We'll talk two-way contracts. Amari Bailey got handed one after his impressive summer league showing. We'll get to some other summer league thoughts. Coming up next, last segment, Locked on Hornets. All right, Doug, I said something about Amari Bailey teasing the two-way contract deals. But I do wonder just how many people would be. Well, look, you got to be a sicko to understand who gets the two-way contracts anyway. Okay, (laughs) so understand. Hold on. Yes, the two-way two-way contracts are the bread and butter of the sicko for sure. Yeah, it's 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 where the brigade begins and ends. It begins and ends at the two-way contracts. But but here, I guess here is my point. Mm -hmm. I bet a lot of sickos out there don't know who has the only other two-way contract given out. I bet they know Amari Bailey got one, but I bet they don't know that Leaky Black got one because we didn't really see him in the summer league. What game film can we really break down? We got like, what, 10 minutes, something like that. Didn't get a lot, Doug. So I guess let's start with Leaky Black, the North Carolina eight-year player, it seemed like, one of those guys that was known for his defense, never really put it together offensively. Got some UNC nepotism again. MJ's final salute to a for, uh, to a fellow Tar Heel, Leaky Black, coming in here. What do you make of the Leaky Black two-way contract? Uh, yeah, I'm surprised at how early it was reported to have happened. You know, Rod Boone had it, I think, uh, first. And I was surprised at how early they were dishing out two-way contracts. And I'm not quite certain on how like concrete those are. I really feel like if they want to give that two way to somebody else at some point, I don't think it's like that difficult. There are no like I don't think there are any player options on two way contracts. (laughs) So you know, it it it, I'm not going to make a big deal about this. But you're right, we didn't see a lot from Leaky Black in uh, that summer league period early on, you know, we, we saw him in the California classic and he had a couple of opportunities to knock down some open corner threes. Didn't do it. Uh, would hit some shot, a few shots in Vegas, uh, missed the shot that would have gotten them back into that game. that James book night went off game. Number five uh, could have gotten an early win and he knocked that shot down. But yeah, I mean, didn't see anything that jumped off the page that you went, Hey, I mean, they certainly need, if, if Leaky Black could do all the things that you think Leaky Black could do, you know, be long, play defense, uh, hit threes in the corner, they need that. I mean, that is something they absolutely desperately need. I'm just – I'm not convinced after Summer League that Leaky right. Black is the guy to uh, do that now and into the future. Now they do – they gave one to Amari. They have one more. Uh, Kobe Simmons was on a two-way last season. Teo was on a two-way. They've yeah. uh, extended a qualifying offer to Teo. 
So he's Bryce not going to have McGowan had his two-way converted to a long-term deal, I believe. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't I, – I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, I don't see Leaky Black making, like, a huge contribution uh, maybe to the Swarm, but but not to the Hornets. Well, look, it, it's all defense for Leaky. It's, this is someone that – he's an older player. He was with North Carolina forever offensively was never more than, I mean, goodness gracious, like the fourth or fifth option. It, it, I mean, he had a career high, I think it was against Notre Dame. You know, so, some of this, it's it's loose remembering anyway, but it's all defense. One thing though, like he's really good at defense. He's a very good defender. And if you want some film to watch, go back and watch the North Carolina, Alabama four overtime thriller where he did a great job on Brandon Miller then. Oh, did a great maybe job. there you go. Maybe Brandon no, was like, hey, got to get this guy. He shut me down. No, right. Right. Maybe Brandon Miller was like, yeah, man, that guy really defended me very well. So uh, that's the thing. But clearly <laughs> the two-way contract that everybody's going to be more excited about is Amari Bailey. <laughs> that, hold last, on, hold on. Bailey, well, you have to sit on this for a second because that is an interesting thing. Maybe we're looking in the wrong direction. We've been looking in the nepotism closet because it's so easy, because it's MJ, because one guy from UNC makes the summer league team. It was Manic last year, uh, you know, makes the summer league, makes the camp roster. Like, well, there's always one UNC guy hanging around. So that's Doug, the easy. I need, I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but like this is this is the same team where I'm walking in the hallway and I have to double take because Brandon Robinson <laughs> is rolling a cart of balls past right, me. It's right, like, right. what? Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so th that's the easy, you know, door to open. But I think we are we we need to open this other door, which is that they signed Leaky Black particularly to give Brandon Miller a hard time in camp to say, hey, we got to go find one or two players that shut this guy down in college just to challenge him. We're just going to say, mm -hmm. all right, your job, we're going to give you money to just really get into this rookie to help him. You know, Excel. I don't think that. I mean, now I'm kind of sold on it. That's not a terrible idea. Challenge Brandon Miller, make him step Love up it. and score on Leaky Black. Love it. Yeah. I mean, in that game against North Carolina, I'm just looking it up. It was very early in the season. This was still in November. So it was the seventh game of the season for Brandon Miller. But he went four of 21 and two of 13 from two point range. Like Leaky. And a lot of that is Leaky doing a good job. I think Pete Nance honestly did a pretty good job too keeping him in front he's playing with somebody now but yeah so leaky's on the squad maybe he can uh help leaky is, leaky is a kamikaze brandon. pilot at this point your only <laughs> job is to just get into brandon's shirt challenge him all through camp uh and we'll give you a, we'll give you a two-way deal we'll give you you get a trip to greensboro it's like the worst episode of price is right your grand prize is a trip to greensboro that is not the showcase i would have win i'd rather just walk away um <laughs> Amari Bailey, that's the one that most people are going to be excited about for, though. Uh, now, here's my question to you. Do you think there's any shot that we see a Bryce McGowan's type situation where Amari plays well enough? I know you've compared his game a little bit to Bryce McGowan's, where we see him in his rookie year as a second-round pick play well enough to have that converted into a team-friendly deal, at least it seems, right? It's it, nothing of consequence financially, but does pay somebody and pay somebody sooner like they did with Bryce McGowan's any chance of that happening. I would say the chances are slim only because I don't think 
I'm going to regret saying what I'm about to say, but they can't possibly have as many injuries as they did last season because all of those injuries opened up more time for Bryce McGowan's and and allowed him to showcase some things that the team went, hey, we got to we got to lock this down now. You know, he may go and Amari Bailey may go to Greensboro and just tear it up. And then they feel that way anyway, because they see the promise uh, and and so on and so forth. But, you know, I I don't know if if those injuries are going to be as prevalent because that I mean, that wing rotation now all of a sudden is super deep. They're not very deep at center. They're not very deep at point guard. You know, if Amari Bailey shows off a lot of playmaking skills, is there room in the point guard rotation for Amari Bailey? Is he a good enough passer? Is he a good enough decision maker? Does he protect the basketball enough to warrant possibly some like emergency backup point guard minutes? Maybe. Uh, but that that would be, I think, the only barrier to, to it being converted that quickly. Because I think Amari Bailey's got a future with the Hornets. But your question was, does it happen as quickly as Bryce McGowan's? I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, I think... Because it was unlikely that it was going to happen with Bryce, right? I mean, the, yeah. the fact that it happened with Bryce McGowan's, it, it's pretty impressive because of a second round pick having his two way converted into a $7.4 million contract four years, by the way. Like, if Bryce is any kind of player, that's it's a great deal to get out in front of for the Charlotte Hornets, to be honest with you. Oh, totally. Oh, I mean, you that's how you that's how you cheat the system a little bit. Yeah. If you can, if you can do a couple of those. That opens up the ability for you to sign LaMelo to like 35 to $40 million per year, then sign another player, you know, a couple of years from now, if it's Brandon, or maybe you make a trade for another player that has a big contract. But, you know, once you look at Dallas, Dallas has got two players now that are making around $40 million. That that just sits like a big lump of lard on your mm-hmm. on your cap. So you've now you have to say, all right, what else? What else can I do here? And that's how you kind of cheat this tax system is if you can find some of these second round picks. I think it's why the best thing that Mitch Kupchak has done as general manager is hit on the second round. Because that is if they were to ever climb into contention by going out and being aggressive on the market, if the next round of front office executives actually, you know, will be aggressive in in the market then they do have some some role players that are going to be on super team-friendly deals that you can compile a roster that can be competitive outside of your three best players. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it's him on this kind of contract. Nick Smith Jr. is making a very similar amount of money up until Bryce McGowan's contract ends, and so we'll see what the Hornets will do. Not with Mitch Kupchak, but probably with somebody else's new owner. Who knows? We'll take over. Yeah, who knows who the GM and the head coach is going to be. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. Now make your second listen. Game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I believe LaMelo Ball is speaking with media today. So we have another press conference to recap. LaMelo will be available after signing his rookie max extension worth up to 260 if he makes an all-NBA team. So we can talk all about what LaMelo has to say tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day.